Welcome back to Watch Out, a movie podcast. We've had a short break, but we're back at it, even though cinemas are closed. Yeah, um, some stuff happened and we had a bit of a hiatus. Yeah. But we're back now with more time than ever. Yeah. And... Um, with less movies to see because they have all got delayed <laughs> and cancelled. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, so we figured we would go back and talk about... Parasite from last year, which we've been meaning to do for a while. I think we meant to do it back, like before the Academy Awards. Yes, but um, I had I had notes for that recording because we did talk about doing Parasite around the time just before the awards, and we were my main points were all the awards it should have won because I was just assuming it wasn't going to win any. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I had I think I had a very similar thing because. I was assuming it wasn't going to win any, but the day before, everyone was just kind of like, I think it's going to win. And then oh, it won. Yeah. And then it won everything. I so- think we both, I think we both had this talk already. Like, we, like <laughs> Parasite sweeping at the Oscars ruined like all of my jokes that I had planned. <laughs> and, and now I have nothing. I'm just like, fuck. Well, I mean, good, but God damn it. But yeah. <laughs> so oh, s- it swept and no one saw yeah. that coming. Um, so, well, see, um, I saw Parasite probably July last year at the Sydney Film Festival. Like, I saw it way in advance, like six months before anyone else. Shit. And um, I knew, like, walking out of the cinema, we were all just like, like the handful of us who were there were just like, uh, that was the best movie. That was the best movie of 20. Like, nothing's going to top that for the year. Yeah, yeah. And we were right. Like, I think Parasite is the best movie of 2019. Which is why I was kind of in disbelief that it actually won at the Academy Awards. That's the thing, because the best movie never actually wins. The best, the best movie always goes to something nobody's ever, nobody's even heard of. Remember Green, Green Book? Green Book. Who watched that? What the hell? Where did that movie go? I haven't heard anyone mention it since. Like, well, this that usually happens with the movie that wins Best Picture, I guess. <laughs> they just vanish into the ether. Remember the artist in like 2012? Oh, <laughs> no. <Do> you- <laughs> I watched that movie. I think I'm the only person I know who watched that movie. <laughs> um, it was it was all right. Was it the best movie of 2012? No. What else came out in 2012? I guess it doesn't really matter. But- <laughs> oh, what the hell? Um, best movie is 2012. I guarantee this movie. What, like, what else came out in 2012? Um, the Dark Knight Rises. I was about to say, I think of The Dark Knight Rises, can <laughs> but I wouldn't call that the best movie in twenty twelve either. Uh, oh my god! All of these movies, I forgot about all Argo. Uh, oh yeah, Argo. The Life of Pi, Silver Linings Playbook, um, Looper. Oh, the best movie of twenty twelve is Django. Oh, oh, Django was it's, good. Yeah, it's Django. I liked Looper actually as well. Um, Loops are at, and I liked. I did like Moonrise Kingdom, and of oh course, yeah, the original Avengers was a blast back in the day. Yeah. Um. Anyway, twenty twelve. We're in twenty twenty now. Yeah, and- it's been a while. <laughs> um. So Parasite, we <laughs> <laughs> we didn't expect it to win all the awards. It won everything. That it got nominated yeah. for nearly? Oh, nearly. Oh my god. Like, um, 
watching Bong Joon-ho win all those awards just made me feel so warm in my heart. Yeah. It, like, reminds me of when Guillermo del Toro won for The Shape of Water. Like, you could see that they just were not expecting to win. Like, so honestly in their expression. And, like, I was... I'm pretty sure I had the day off work the day the Academy Awards happened, and I actually, like, timed up my schedule so that I actually watched the whole thing live. And it's really clear that he was only expecting to win in Best International Feature, which he, like, obviously had in the bag and everyone knew it. Yeah. But then just, like, by the time he got up for his third and fourth award, he just, like, had nothing left to say. Like, he was so just, like, just, compl- like, shaking his head in disbelief. And he just kept talking about how he was going to just... With each reward award, he kept saying how much more he was going to drink that night. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of concerning. But it was like, the more awards he win, the more he will drink. Please help this man. Stop giving him awards. Well, he's okay. We know that. So it's all, yeah, yeah, it yeah. all ended but, well. <laughs> but it was so endearing and the audience all applauding. Oh, man, that was sick. That was it, so good. It was really good um, because <sighs> I think as the audience can tell, we think it deserved everything. It was nominated and won, which oh, is because I, like we said, I expected to come into this podcast when we we're going to review it earlier as like this underdog. But no. Yeah, we all thought, <laughs> what, did, what did everyone think was going to win? It was like 1917. Yeah. What else was there? there? Um, I can't even remember anymore. Well, there was like Two Popes, Jojo Rabbit. Marriage oh, yeah. Story, uh, Irishman. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think looking back at it now, it's like Parasite was so clearly the best movie. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's heads. Uh, Joker was the other one. Um, it's so heads and te- like heads and shoulder above all of its competition. That yeah. oh man, of course like, it's it gonna win. Absolutely, just like undeniable. Yeah. In how good this movie is, and I mean, I've seen a lot of hot takes on uh, on the internet of people who just kind of, um, I guess you could call it racist. Um, oh the classic, yeah, the classic like, what an American movie didn't win? What's going on here? In fact, I think that's what Trump said himself. Yeah, yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, some people just really. Are, adverse to watching subtitles like it's like i have a like a theory that it's kind of people who can't read as well as you'd want to believe and it's like kind of scares like they don't want to confront the fact that they might not understand the movie i don't know yeah but that's the current trend at the moment there's a lot of people talking about how i I don't understand it because they're just like I saw like tweets and all that when streaming services get Parasite and what that, and they just talk about how they don't want to watch it because it's subtitled. And it's like, then don't watch it. Yeah. Like you're (laughs) good. We're not like miss out then. Like that's your bad. The movie's too good for you. If that's your opinion. (laughs) I remember, I remember watching Pan's Labyrinth when I was like 12 years old, probably younger. I think I was in like grade five in Australia. So I was probably like 11. Mm. Which is way too young to watch Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, you okay? Um, I don't know, but it was a good movie. Um, and like, I fucking immediately, I was like, "Oh, this is Spanish," and then I was like, "Oh well," and then I still like was completely absorbed. And even as that younger kid, I was like, "This movie fucking rules." Wow. And my friend I was watching it with, he was also like, "This movie rules." 
So it's like we were 11 and people in 2020 and who are grown adults, grown adults just don't like subtitles. Some kids just never grew up with anime. I was going to say, as like a a long time anime fan, I'm just like, get on my level. Subtitles are easy, man. (laughs) Especially with slow languages like Korean. Hmm. God, like you, like us anime folks, like prefer the subtitled version. That's the level we're on. Do you reckon they should do a parasite dub? I would love to see that. Actually, <laughs> that would be so pretty good. bad. Oh my god, they, they used to do that all the time, didn't they? And like in yeah. non-English countries, that's yeah. crazy. I would love to go back and watch some like dubs of movies I've already seen. Well, there was a bunch of Bruce Lee movies that were on Netflix, and the only option they had was the dub. <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch this. This is so bad. Yeah. I remember trying to watch an early Jackie Chan movie, like the original Drunken Master oh, movie. Oh, yeah. That dub is awful. It was awful. I turned it off within like 10 minutes because I was like, this is bad. This is not This is not happening. This isn't working for me. Is it? It's not even Jackie doing his own voice. No, it's not. Why wouldn't Which you is- get... He can speak English. <laughs> yeah, but he, had a, he, has an, he had an accent, Harrison. His accent's not that thick. I know. Uh, but yeah, so, um, I, what's your history with, uh, I don't know, uh, Bong Joon-ho movies? Have you, have you seen many of his movies? I've seen Snowpiercer. Okay. That's it, unfortunately. um, I've a bit, I've, I've had like a, I had a tumultuous history with his movies. Like when I was in, uh, like university, like that was when I started like watching all these movies, um, I kind of had like a mixed reaction, which looking back at it, it was like, I was just kind of young and naive and didn't really know a lot. Um, Like wisdom hadn't kicked, like world wisdom kind of hadn't awoken in my brain yet, or at least whatever somewhat awoken in my brain. Right. Um, I just lived my little introverted life and I was watching all these like political satires and being like, what's going on here? Um, (laughs) But like even movies like The Host, which is regardless, which is regarded as one of his best. I like just, I thought it was okay. And Snowpiercer, I actually really didn't like when I first watched it. I thought it was like we like really just weird and tacky. But then, like last year, we started uh, me and my housemates started like rewatching all of his movies because I did still like some of his movies. And uh, we've pretty much since rewatched every single one of his movies, and it's just like, oh man, I've completely flipped. Like his movies are all so good, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. absolute highest regard. Like holy shit, even Snowpiercer is. Like outstanding, yes. I would compare Snowpiercer to like Mad Max Fury Road in terms of like quality. Oh, that's hot like, prose. Very good, and like I haven't seen his very very first movie, Barking Dogs Never Bite, but like I have it like ready to go. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Like his weakest movie is probably Okja, which is on Netflix, but it's right. still like decent. It's still decent. It has a really good message and like a good heart, which I really support. But like. The movie itself is kind of like all over the place. But besides that, like all of his movies, particularly his like kind of like mystery crime movies, like Memories of Murder and Mother are just like absolutely like insanely good. I need they to all check star, them all out. They all star um, Song Kang-ho, I think is his name, the, who's the same, he's the dad in Parasite as well. He's like his boy who's in all of his movies. Hmm. And he's just actually one of the best actors, like, I've seen. Like, he's one of those actors 
who just he is unrecognizable like from movie to movie I don't know how he does it. Like, even if he, like, looks the same. Like, even doesn't if he, he, like, doesn't do up his hair or his outfit or anything, he just seems like a different person in all of his movies. And it's just insane. It's a sign of a very good actor. So, one of the problems about talking about um, Parasite, I think... Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get it, back to Parasite. <laughs> is that now it's got this such a high pinnacle... It's, like, put on such a pedestal at the moment. <laughs> I mean, like, it deserves it. But it makes it so when new people see it now, they're kind of like, oh, that's it. They were expecting to be, like, absolutely mind-blown, but their ex- expectations are just, like, unobtainable for any movie. Oh, really? I haven't actually... To be honest, I haven't been following any of the social media around Parasite since everyone was complaining about the subtitles. I kind of dropped off and was just, like... I don't care. I just enjoy this movie. I'm not going to really listen to what other yeah. people have to say. It's, it's interesting because, like, I don't think this is a major movement, but, like, I, I may, am aware of that it's got this, like, pedestal thing. I mean, you know. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. It won all these Oscars, and then if if it's not also your personal favorite movie of 2019, you can go, oh, that's what that was about. But, you know. Mm. I think yeah. it deserves that pedestal, though, so it's hard to yeah. balance that. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that, yeah. I feel like every movie that wins big awards and has such high praise is always put on a pedestal, and people t- seem to, like, I don't know, like to slap back against yeah. things that are so, like, but this is probably, like, the weakest example. Like, I understand, like, the slap back against, like, Green Book because that movie, like, has a lot of... But no, there was uh, no conversation because no one saw it. Yeah, that's true. A lot of people weren't talking about it. But, like, I don't know, Green Book, well, it was, like, all white screenwriters and it was a story about racism. It's, like, doesn't sit right with a lot of people to just have it, you know, written, directed by white people. just doesn't feel right, you know? Mm. Where this is really just about kind of class, if anything. The main kind of... One of the main themes in this movie is all about, like class division like class disparity before we get into that should we do a small recap though before we actually get into the movie yeah let's do that let's do that um so parasite the basic premise pretty much it starts with this extremely poor family who live like at the bottom of the slums in south korea in a half basement Half basement. They're pretty much at the lowest point on this big street. I noticed this when I rewatched the movie. Their house is like at the furthest end, at the bottom of like a hill under like a huge staircase, like in the bottom, bottom, bottom of the slums and half underground. Like their house is pretty much like there's a window looking out to like foot level on the street. Mm. And it opens with them finding out that the local free Wi-Fi that they used to use for their internet has put a password on and they start scrambling around looking for new Wi-Fi and working together to try and figure out uh, the best way to access a new Wi-Fi. And that pretty much just kind of sets up the family. But mm. it then goes on to um, a friend of the the son shows up, returns to town. He's like a relatively successful university student. And he gives them this gift with this big rock, which is supposed to represent good luck and wealth. And yeah, he mostly offers, wealth. And he offers the son um, to take up his tutoring role while he's traveling abroad 
for university and the son agrees to do it. He fakes, he works with the sister and comes up with like a fake university degree and ends up getting hired by this wealthy family who have... That's all basically I want to go into before going okay. into spoilers because I yes. feel like this is a movie, this is a premise movie, right? Like, um, yes, yes. It's very much, it's very reliable on it being quite a unique experience. I don't, I can't think of a movie mm. that's got quite the same structure or beats to it. I could, I could somewhat, yeah, nothing quite like this, but I would kind of compare it like narrative wise to like the Coen Brothers movies. Like the other night, I uh, rewatched. Um, I guess, yeah. I rewatched Raising Arizona the other night, the Coen Brothers movie with Nick Cage from like 1987. And I realized like it clicked click because I haven't seen one of their movies in a while. But a lot of their movies I would describe as like a cacophony of events, just like this series. Mm. It starts with a premise, it gets set up, and then it's like, watch this roller coaster go. And there's like ebbs and fl- like rises and falls. And that's just watch this play out pretty much. Yeah. And I'd compare that to this movie. Like, that's a very similar kind of, I mean, you could say that's how all movies work. <laughs> but um, it's how the, these movies particularly feel. True. It's just, like, there's something very specific about, like, the family and the role they play with the rich family that feels yes. very fresh. There's a very big emphasis on the dynamic between the families. Like, the- yeah the differences and how they kind of play off of each other. And I guess that's like ties in with the title parasite. Um, mm. Cause I know a lot of people come out of this movie being like, Oh, the poor people are clearly the parasites. Like they're feeding off this wealthy family, but it's like, nah, well, yes, but the rich people are also like, they would not be able to function. And without their like servants, you know. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's that's, the parasite yeah. in this movie. That's like the classic, you know, one two of this movie. And so, like, a lot of a note I have written down in my um, my little notepad for this movie is Bong Joon Ho versus capitalism. <laughs> and that's pretty much how I would summarize this movie. The whole movie really is a. Um, a lot of people th- seem to think it is a like take down like an eat the rich movie, like a taking down of the wealthy kind of thing where it's not particularly, it's more of a portrayal of like, I think it's referred to as late end capitalism where it's like things just at their most extreme points. Essentially. It's like, this is a metaphor. (laughs) This is all an metaphorical, just like the metaphorical. (laughs) <laughs> like in the movie whenever they look at this rock they're like it's a metaphor and it's the same with the movie like the whole movie is very much a metaphor for this class disparity that's created by this era of capitalism and like this long reign of capitalism in, mm. in our society particularly South Korea apparently which which I hear and this is just you know limited research but like apparently the class divide in South Korea is actually quite huge um, particularly, and there's a big mm. emphasis in South Korean culture of like appearing richer than you are, living above your means. Uh. Um, look, I could be completely wrong, but that's my limited research. 
um, yeah. as, as a, someone who's never even visited the country. So Yeah. Well, you see that kind of behavior in a lot of countries, actually, so I'm not surprised that it's... Yeah. It's well, I mean, like th- that... Wh- what was that Psy song that was super popular? <laughs> Gangnam Style? Yeah, that's what that song was about. About oh. it was about um, the poorer society living above their means, uh, maxing out credit cards and all that to have the appearance of richness, which is a lot of what this movie is about. Is like keeping up these appearances, faking appearances, and faking it till you make it, sort of thing. Oh man! And it's really interesting to rewatch this movie in the current climate of. Um, <laughs> Of coronavirus lockdown capitalist collapse. Um, well, I was just thinking about, just- like, there's, there's a couple, like, germ uh, aspects to this movie. Like, the bug spray in the very first scene. How it's just, like, mm, yeah. exterminating. I was just like, it hits too close to home right now. <laughs> oh, man. Good God. Um, it's just... It's just such a good movie. But one of the interesting things about like that that point you were talking about, like rich versus poor, what's I think is cool about this movie is not only is all the characters like super well defined, one of the most likable ensemble casts mm. in recent movies ever. Um, every character is very distinct. You know exactly what they're about, um, and yep. they don't feel underused. Anyone except for maybe every- the sister sister because she's such a great character i just want more of her um but everyone is so well defined yeah every every character just stands so like they're so no characters like blur together or feel like irrelevant they all play their part yeah and what's really cool about like the rich family is in a more uh, typical movie you would have um the rich family be much more uh, mustache mm. twirling and much more yeah. uh, cartoonishly evil, quote unquote. But they they're not. They're just kind no. of people. They're they're a bit they're, ignorant and a bit snobbish, but they're not they're in, bad yeah, people. In, in the movie, I rewatched it this morning just to refresh myself because I actually haven't seen it since last year. Oh really? Um, this is my third watching. Yeah, I, I I when I sat down this morning I thought it was my third watching but then when I sat and thought about it I was like oh wait no I haven't seen it since the Sydney Film Festival but I remember it all so clearly yeah but um but yeah there's a there's a line early in the movie where um where the dad character describes money as like people with money have all their creases ironed out because they they can afford to fix all their problems with money. Like all the things mm. holding them down and weighing them back, they can fix it with money, and that's where like they come in as like that's where the poor people come in as these fixes because they're desperate for the money, and mm. they they will like do whatever they can to get that money that they need simply to survive, and that like is the the dynamic between rich and poor, which is what this movie parallels mm. in its allegory, allegory, in its metaphor. It's metaphorical. It's metaphorical, but yeah, um, God, let's just, let's talk about the cast again for a little while because just yeah, they're just so good. The dad, in fact, is such a great character. He, everyone's got such interesting like dynamics to them because they're all quite positive characters with like a few negative traits, like 
round mm. around pe- people, but like dad is just like so supportive of his family. There's that great mm. line where his sister um, fakes, well, his daughter fakes the um, the university papers, and he's like, "Man, this is so good." Do you think New York has a university course for um, forgery? Because she would ace it. And he's like... Yeah, she'd be the top of her class. It's just like, he's just so supportive of his family. Uh, He's so proud. mm, It's so good to see. It's so nice to see. And it's like another thing that if they made... If there was like a big American remake or something, they'd probably (laughs) all be like hating each other, like grilling each other, like fucking... No. The whole time. In this, no, they're extremely, they lean on each other. They like rely on each other to survive. They're such a unit. Um, the only like inner conflict they ever really have turns out to be a play where the uh, the dad and mum pretend to have a fight. Yeah. And, and it's fake. They played it up. But otherwise mm, they are uh, a unit. Just like even very early in the movie- the mum gets a job folding pizza boxes and <laughs> the whole family does it. The whole family all chip in to all do it to get it done. But then she comes back saying that like a quarter of them are like too are like unusable and that they're going to dock 10%. And then immediately, like without hesitation, the son's like, okay, how about this? You take the 10%, but it seems like like my, my sister knows your delivery man. He's unreliable. Everyone knows he's unreliable. And like, we like, what if, you fire him and I'll take his job. You keep the 10% pay cut, but like, I'll, and, and they're all like bouncing off each other, like convincing her that this is a good idea. And it's just like, without like any secret conversation or like plotting, it's like, they're always just bouncing off each other, like relying, like getting, trying to like help each other out. Yeah. It's just, oh, they ver- so- they're not at that point. They're not quite con artists, but they've eventually kind of like, you know, trip into that role. Not intentionally yeah. initially, but it, it escalates. It, it escalates. On that note, I think maybe let's 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 give a quick like I guess uh, consensus and then go into like actual spoilers. It's the best movie of twenty nineteen. It's the best movie twenty nineteen. Okay, move into spoilers. <laughs> like I could, I could, I could rave about every single individual aspect of the filmmaking in this movie but like i i don't need to like every it speaks for itself like it's I, on I stan think so. if you live in australia it's on stan mm-hmm. i think in america it's on like hulu but like see this movie it is so good it's it feels like a classical movie it's got everything there just because it feels so much like it comes from one singular vision. It's very much an auteur movie. Um, it just mm. feels like everything is planned. Everything has a reason. Everything has a meaning that's well thought out. And it feels like it was genuinely an artist that was allowed to just do his movie and he was at the top of his craft. Yeah, nobody but Bong Joon-ho could have made this movie. Yes, yes, I agree. Oh, are you excited for the TV sequel remake, whatever the heck it's American thing they're doing soon? Are they seriously doing something? I didn't hear about this. Yeah, I think it's a, they're doing a HBO series. Do you know who um, the real parasite is? Hollywood. The, Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> are they going to old yeah. boy this? Oh, 
God, I hope not. That movie is awful. Um, the Old Boy remake, the original is great. The 2015 Josh Brolin remake is not great. Anyways, but yeah, they're doing like a HBO series. It doesn't sound like it's going to be a remake of the movie. It sounds like it's going to kind of be its own thing in the same vein. At least that's what I hope it is. Yeah, but, so um, like the American equivalent. Yeah, uh, Park Chan-wook is attached to produce it, which is good. Like he's not just like signed off on the name. He is he has some involvement. And I believe Tilda Swinton and Mark Ruffalo are attached to star in it. Oh, uh, yeah. I already know yeah. which one has which role. <laughs> yeah, if if they are playing like as parallels to the original, but I'd be curious to see. I'm just saying, what Mark Ruffalo would be a really interesting, uh, like positive but poor dad. Yeah, you can already anyways, see him in that role. <laughs> they're also making a Snowpiercer TV show. It was supposed to premiere at South by Southwest, but that got cancelled. So, see, that actually has uh. potential. I think the the show's also like. Not based on the movie. It's going to be like a prequel set, like, like I think twenty years into the premise of Snowpiercer. Yeah, so, so the it's end. like not late game. It's like the early game. Yeah. Anyway, Anyways. Parasite. Watch it. <laughs> yeah, watch it. Watch Snowpiercer too. Watch Snowpiercer as well. But anyways, Parasite. Let's get it. Let's get in. Okay. Um. So after the sun. Um, cons his way into tutoring for the rich family. Circumstances happen and he also gets the rest of his family through various events. Like that one we will, by one. We will get into the individuals because they're all great. Um, but yep. he eventually gets the whole family employed from this rich family and everything's going well for them they're finally getting their paychecks they're actually making decent money now yeah then everything goes to shit with the best mid movie twist i have seen in (laughs) many years where there's someone living in the basement which yep no one saw coming he's the there's it's it's like it's set this whole movie is like establishing that's like these guys are rich these guys are poor and then at the midpoint of the movie, they're like, there is even lower than poor. And reveals that there is a secret man living in the basement who's been like snuck food and like struggling to survive for like years. He's the husband. In secret. He's the husband of the previous caretaker. Who um, they replaced with their own mother, the own like mom of the family. Yeah. So what, what makes this mid- movie twist so good is because you set up the premise and you're like oh I understand what this movie's gonna be it's gonna be a long con where they nearly get caught multiple times and they just keep up the act I thought it was like okay that's what the movie is like nope we're twisting it into a thriller now and you're just like oh this is an interesting direction I did not see this coming at all and yeah even the movie like the the way it's kind of structured is like they're all so tight. They're all so on point at keeping up this this facade as these like workers for this rich family that it kind of hits a point where it's like nothing can go wrong from here out, and they know it. Even like there's like a big kind of set piece in the middle, which is like feels like it would be the climax of the movie where 
they're all hanging out at the house, like drinking fancy alcohol and like kicking back like it's their own house. And then they get a call because the family's supposed to be away camping that they're coming back early and will be there in 10 minutes. And it's like a desperate scramble for them to like hide and clean up. But they manage to do it. And then the whole basement thing really kicks in. Or did that happen after? Fuck, I may have got this. I may have no, got no, this backwards. The, no, no. The basement happens while they're celebrating because that's when the caretaker comes. That's right. Oof. What a that. That's right. I got. I got. Even though I just watched the movie like a couple hours ago, <laughs> man. So, so like, it's such a good twist because it legitimately changes the genre of the movie. Oh, it's so good. Um and. The basement man is like an incredible character. Oh, he's so funny. He's involved in the best shot of the movie <laughs> where um, the kid is like getting a cake from the fridge and he just yeah, like the, the sticks kids, his head up. It's so the, fucking the youngest, good. The youngest um, son throughout yeah. the whole movie is like described as being like troubled and traumatized and like erratic and kind of unpredictable, um, which is how they get the daughter high. They claim that. He needs like an art therapist and she pretends to be that. And that's like her role in this kind of facade. But um, all of his art, you look at it and it's like, it's always drawings of like this kind of face, like this weird, like if you look back at it, it's like a drawing of like a man. And um, it's a chimpanzee, it's a chimpanzee, isn't it? It's like, it's a chimpanzee. No, it's a self-portrait. It's like, no, I don't think it's either of those. (laughs) Um, But um they find out that like apparently this kid the mum tells them that like this kid saw a ghost and had a seizure and was traumatized ever since and then we have the flashback sequence of the kid on his birthday sneaking up to eat his cake and looking down and seeing the guy's face he's peering eyes. from the cabinet and he's just like he looks like a ghost like i would have probably fainted as well if i was in this kid's spot it, it also raises a good point like you've got like this this rich family and she's a doting mom and she's quite protective of him but there's a legitimate reason why she's like that because like it's not mm. like a a caricature he's a he's a kid that literally suffers from seizures that needs 15 minutes to get to an er otherwise he will die yeah. like there's a serious threat there yeah and you can really see like you can see that in her character. The, the the characterization of the rich mother is so good because she's just like she's so like honest and caring, but she's so naive. Yeah, the she's man, simple. The, she's simple is how she's described to the the son uh, by his friend who got, gets him the job, and it's just like she is the like perfect portrayal of like a rich person. Mm, like, like a kind rich person, yeah. The classic, like, yeah, like, just naivety that comes with such such wealth. It's just, like, alienates used, you to... Yeah, to it's such, just so used to a certain lifestyle. Yeah, and um, it just allows them... She's just, like, the perfect sub, like target for them to prey off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but she's so good. But you can see that fear and that, like, rich people instinct of... More money will solve this problem. Yeah. I was just thinking back. Um, there's something I should have brought up with your my consensus is I was talking to a friend earlier about the movie um, earlier today. And it was like, somehow this is the best 
comedy of 2019, the best thriller of comedy uh, of 2019, <laughs> and and the best drama. Like it's somehow oh, all three because it's this is a funny movie. That's that's a really good consensus, actually. Be- because like this movie had me laughing out loud in stitches the first time. Like the chimpanzee mm. lie, the just there's so many good like really quick jokes that are, it's just like that's so uh, transcendental and like that. I think it's the comedy is a big part of um its success in the West because it's a very yeah. translatable comedy uh, that's quick and snappy and just clever word wordplay and yeah 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 i know uh bong joon ho does tend to have like this this air of like wacky zaniness and comedy in almost all of his movies and it really just kind of makes the like the the heavy points like hit harder like it's he's like a, a bong joon ho is like he's, I, I've seen him speak about this, but like he talks a lot about. Um, and I know it is also a thing in like South Korean cinema where like they see genre kind of differently. They don't take it as seriously and consistent. Like genre bends a lot mm, more it uh-huh. seems in in South Korean cinema, but Bong Joon Ho in particular is he really leans into that. Like he's notorious as being like a genre manipulator, and God, it just works so perfectly in this in this narrative in particular it it's, just finds the inherent kind of ridiculousness it plays off that as well as finding the actual human drama and like dread that comes in this whole class disparity kind of area like it man it's it's interesting because like the the twist and the genre shift is both somehow it is both smooth and really, really like a 180 turn. Yes. Because it's it, shocking when it's happening and you're like, wait, what's going on? But at the same time, it's so well set up and makes logical sense thematically and narrative wise that you're just like, this is the movie now. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. This is like my concern coming into talking about this movie was just like, I feel like I'm just going to be in the background just being like, oh man, it's so good. It's just so good. <laughs> it's just it's just so good for the whole thing because it really just is so good. Like, I cannot speak highly enough of this yeah. movie. It's so good. I think it's a movie that really speaks for itself in a very um, base level. Like, anyone seeing it can go, oh, I get this movie. And I get why it's good, and I get why it's well executed. Yeah. It's it speaks on such a base level. It's not like a um, like an art house movie that's like no. you have to really think about or like it's harder this, to obtain. This, uh, like this ain't no movie. this this ain't no lighthouse. <laughs> this is not the lighthouse. Um, but I, I just want to talk a little bit more about like some of the theming in a more structured oh. way, and like some of the metaphors which is so funny to talk about in this movie because they make a joke about metaphors in the movie Mm. um the rock is actually my favorite metaphor even though the joke is that people take it as a metaphor they introduce the rock it's supposed to have it's got these properties apparently of bringing good fortune and good luck and the family start to really idolize it especially the son but there's a couple things that really show um, 
how empty this promise of fortune is and to rely on like this spirituality sort of thing is did you notice when the house is flooded that the rock floats oh which means it's literally hollow oh that's fuck i didn't notice that shit because that's the only way that rock can float um (laughs) and also that foreshadows how this is getting major into spoilers but we're in the spoiler town anyway um Hmm. When he gets hit in the head with it, he doesn't die. Because it's actually yeah. hollow. Oh, man. That's so, a good spot. That's a really good spot. And I mean, that that metaphor of, like, you know, being a hollow dream, an empty promise, if you, so, um, is what caused him he, that character's downfall. Is Like, that's what he's literally hit with. To hit you over the head yep. with a metaphor, <laughs> I guess, is the idea. This movie... This movie is so on point with all of its ideas, all of its characters. Like, it paints this whole picture and yet, like, it's so simple to understand. Like, you could go in with, like, no real grasp of, like, I don't know, the situation when it comes to capitalism. Or it's, like, cinema language. but Or cinema language, but still get it. Like, still understand it all. Water is another really good metaphor in this one where... um, it's used a couple times through the movie, but the most obvious example is the rain is a mild inconvenience for the rich people. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, my God, the kid's, like, tenting out in the rain. Will it leak? Oh, yeah. No. And, like, you know, it's just a it's a heavy storm, but it's just an inconvenience for them. They had to cancel their tr- camping trip. Um, but for the poor people, it, it was catastrophic. It's They've like lost literally- a lot of their life. Like, it, it shows that, like things affect people disproportionately to their wealth and their status, which is just, it's such an, it's such a good moment and it's such a clean example. It's not like thrown Mm. at you. It's not overstated. It's just presented. It's very show, don't tell. Yeah. Um, And that, that really is such a breaking point for like the dad character. Like he's just not the same after that event. Like it's, significantly changes his outlook and you see it immediately. Mm-hmm. There's That's the how other, it continues in the movie, yeah. There's the other major theme that I really, really like um, where it talks about uh, plans versus, like, plans. Plans is a big theme in this movie. It's all about schemes. Yep. The family goes into the scheme and it eventually unfolds because something completely unexpected happens. Basement yep. man. <laughs> um, and the father says, uh, when they're staying at the gym after the flood, he says that, you know, don't make plans. They're gonna, they just don't work. Um, mm. Even though this whole thing has been based on plans and schemes and, like, setting up. Um, and then the end of the movie, this really, this theme really comes into the end of the movie where, where it's kind of like the the son is like imagining him buying the house and freeing his dad from the basement. Yeah, he's making much he's the- making all these plans, but the yeah. movie tells you that these plans are won't work. So this is completely yeah. a fantasy. This is not a flash forward, and mm. mind you, impossible for this character he is a kid with now a brain injury and a criminal record there's no way 
he could rise the ranks. No matter how well he does, he's got a criminal record and a brain injury. Mm. <laughs> it's a very somber, bittersweet kind of ending, yeah. I don't think there's much sweet in it. No. I think it's just bitter. <laughs> yeah, you might be right there. Oh, man. What did, what did you think about like the character arc for the dad in the end? Because this is the only real problem I have with the movie, and it's kind of a major problem. Okay. Yeah, I always kind of... So pretty much in the climax, after the house has been flooded, after they have potentially killed the basement dwellers, um, they are immediately thrust into preparing for the son's birthday party. And it's like a big deal. And they're all like having the best, like the best time. And it looks so like natural to them, but the whole family is just like traumatized, like on the low key. And, um, the dad in particular is just like, you could see in his eyes, he just looks like so over it and jaded. Well, the, his boss, the rich dad is trying to tell him like, Oh, like his plan for like a surprise, like a native American, like theme, birthday surprise thing they're going to do for the son and the dad just so clearly is like does not care um but then the um the basement man bus free after the son goes to check on him the basement man bus free hits him in the head with the rock really savagely and then like rushes out into the yard with a knife uh stabs the daughter in the chest and uh they then wrestle and they take him out by stabbing the basement man, like in the, it gets very gruesome. They, the mum stabs yeah. the basement man, and he dies. And then the kids having like a seizure again, and they're like, and he's the dad is getting yelled at by the rich dad, and he just like snaps and just like stabs him in the chest, and then everyone falls back in horror, and the dad runs off into the into the streets, and we later find out that he's um, actually went. And hidden the basement himself. Mm. But um, yeah. So what do you think about that? He's yeah, like when you I, first I remember saw feeling. It. I remember it sat a bit strange with me. Like I, I was kind of like, why did he stab him? Like it seemed like kind of very sudden. Mm. But um, I think he was really just like, kind of just pushed beyond his breaking point, like. And this guy just represented everything that he hated. But yeah, I see what you mean. That part I'm kind of left pondering as well. Even now I'm struggling to come up with like a... Because, well, I think the setup is that the main thing about him, he starts like complaining about him, about his smell behind his Mm. back. And it's like him like hot blocking his nose is the last thing he does before he stabs him. Um... So, like, there's some sort of trigger there. But I don't think it makes total sense. It's the second time watching, I was like, oh, it's built up a bit more. There's a few more clues into, like, that build-up. The conclusion of it's really cool, of him going to the basement. But I just feel like the motivation isn't quite there. For a movie that you understood why everyone was doing everything, it's the one time I was like, I don't get why he did that. I guess it's a spur of the moment thing. He's just overwhelmed. But it just feels a little too out of nowhere. It's an interesting moment to like think about. Yeah. Because I kind of like I'm left a bit stumped. But I think that could be intentional. Well, how how slick the rest of the movie is, I think it must be intentional. 
because yeah, maybe maybe because we're talking about like how he he says plans don't work, and that's him having no plan, yeah. not thinking about yep. anything at all, and just want completely based on what he wants to do right now, and that's like to lash out. His daughter is bleeding out. Everything's falling apart. He just needs to lash out emotionally in a completely thoughtless action. It ends up being like the worst decision of his life. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I th- Just when I first saw it, it sat with me. And I was like, it feels so mean-spirited and so not what the movie was preparing for for that character, which could be interesting. I don't know. It's the one thing I'm like, I think... I think there could have been something else there. I just feel like missing one piece of the puzzle. That's a fair point. And again, I like, I myself don't really know how to interpret it off the top of my head. Like, I'm still just kind of processing that. <laughs> but man, I guess it was just like when things have all broken down to this point, the facade of like rich and poor is just completely. The whole facade is just lifted and he's just like barbaric like animals. It's almost like the the basement man himself coming up to just attack. That made sense though. That was out of revenge of them killing his wife. That's true. But I guess in a similar way, this none of this would have happened if it wasn't for the rich guy. The rich guys. Well, I mean, I the know. son conning the whole family in is sort of the real culprit. That's the start of this. Yeah. Because if it was just him doing it, it wouldn't be a conspiracy. They turned it into a conspiracy. They did. I don't oh, know. It, it's just one of those things, like, the only thing he does to trigger him is to, like, respond to the smell and, like, I guess the, the smell was is being is another theme in the movie where like you start the movie and they've got stink bugs in their house and the rich dad explains that people on the subway have a certain smell and the dad has a certain smell that smells like other people. He it's a dehumanizing thing the rich yeah. person does and that's just enough to trigger him. I feel like there needs to be a, yeah. a better line or a threat or a something to do with the family but because at that point the threat is over the the murdering basement man is dead at that point yeah he doesn't need also a, to do anything i do that i guess you could see it as that like the daughter is laying there dying like directly like stabbed in the chest mm. and the the rich dad is just like i don't care about her i have to go save my son look and that's, I mean, that's, that's not actually the most fair. unreasonable response. Yeah, that's a pretty reasonable response. You want to save but your family? He wants to save... Uh, that's... <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's kind of the point itself. Maybe it's supposed to be just, like, unhinged chaos. Maybe. I'm just saying it's not as slick as the rest of the movie because it comes out as a sore point. But that's my only problem. Um, it would be it would be a bigger problem in a movie that had less perfect everything else. Yeah, because it yeah, is I'll the agree. high point I'll, of the movie. I'll agree with you there. That that part always sat with me really weird, but it did kind of it had an impact. I guess. Yeah, like I I think about it often. 
Um, and I guess that's a good thing. There's so much more to talk about this meme. I'm going through these, my threads. What's your oh, favorite? What's your favorite scene? Or a really oh, good scene shit. you want to talk about? Oof, that's hard. That's hard to narrow down just because there's so much. Yeah. Um, fuck. What's a good scene? Uh, I'm just gonna. Have- I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have a quick scroll through the Wikipedia page to remind myself because okay. God, so much just happens in this movie. While, while you're waiting, I'm gonna pitch you one of my favorite scenes, and is definitely where the whole family's hiding under the table. It's oh, just man, such a yeah. good moment. <laughs> Fuck, that's that's so good. I love as well the scene where they're plotting the um how to get the housemaid fired, and it's like this multi-stage, oh, yeah. elaborate like intercut segment like the editing is outstanding or it's like showing them planning and them executing this whole plan like side by side it's like the dad rehearsing his performance of like trying to snitch to the mum without seeming like he's trying to snitch how he just has a photo like that's such a good moment because um i listened to a podcast recently where they said they saw it with a big korean community um and they all were laughing hysterically at this scene of the the dad practicing acting and the son giving him points because the dad is played by like one of the most famous and well-renowned actors in Korea. Yeah. He's actually Song Kang Ho, who I mentioned earlier. He's actually considered one of the best actors in, in so South that's, Korea. That's like the equivalent of us watching a movie with like, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio that's getting tips about acting. That's the joke. Actually yeah. that happened. It once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh my god, it did. That scene was really good as well. <laughs> Same joke. Same joke. Shit. Very, um, very different stylings. But I, it's funny because like it goes back to a point I said earlier, but never followed up. Is that um, the whole setup of like the family like slowly conning the rich family? The the point where they really cross the line is getting the. Uh, the caretaker fired by literally yeah. inflicting a like a life threatening <laughs> uh, yeah. allergy on her, and then it's... framing her as having tuberculosis and trying <laughs> and seeming like she's trying to hide it. Oh, like, they they literally They're like sprinkling date. the powder and shit, <laughs> they... like walking past and like brushing it into because <laughs> it starts as something like you're. Know, they're trying to get rid of her job, which is very dodgy. And then they put her life in danger to do it. It's just like they cross several lines at that point. The, it, the whole movie, it's like this ridiculous heist film for the first half. Yes, yes. And it's so fucking good to watch because it's just like these fucking scamps trying to like weasel their way into this rich household. And it's just so good to see. I, oh man it's just such a blast to watch like every aspect of it and even like there's a scene earlier in the movie it's how they get um the dad hired was that the um the daughter is getting a drive home from their dr- like private driver and um she leaves her like underwear and tucks it underneath the car seat and then like the next day the the rich dad finds it and um goes home to his wife and they like conspire about it and he's like clearly this was left here kind of as a message like who goes to leave this maybe maybe the like he's like thinking the whole thing out in his head he's like maybe the women he picked up weren't particularly sober or maybe they were like high or something and they're like oh my god this guy's a manipulator of women and it's just like 
Like, none of that happened. <laughs> it's just like the daughter just put her underwear there and then they just fucking did the rest of the work for them. It's oh. so good. Um, man, I actually got so many notes. <laughs> so thing is, I was, I was like what I said before, like I could just rave about every aspect, every scene of this movie. Like, fuck. I, that's like I just could keep going. Like I could just go through every single scene and just yeah. talk about how good it is. This I, is I like, want, man, just, one of my favorite moments of foreshadowing because this movie is really good at foreshadowing or setting oh, up it's ins- it's mechanics. Insane. There's even off. parts that like you, I haven't even realized, and I've seen the movie like what, tw- like twice, and I've been thinking about it all this time. And there's still parts that I miss, like the hollow rock that you just mentioned, um, and like the yeah. kid's painting of the basement man that is so clearly a painting of the basement man. See, I didn't even think of it being the basement man until you said it just then. I don't know why exactly. I didn't make that connection. That's so good. Oh. Um. Anyhow, one of my favorite points of foreshadowing is when they're about to get the dad hired to be a driver, they go over some of the past jobs he had recently and they talk about a Taiwanese cake shop. Mm. He was like, oh yeah, that went bust. And they'll try to work out the timeline of his jobs. Later mentioned that the, the husband, the, um, the husband of the caretaker, who, the basement man, his previous company that he used to own was a Taiwanese cake shop. Mm. So there's that like, and when he mentions that, you can see the the um, the dad character in the background react to that. So there's like a connection there that they didn't even know. Because uh. the whole thing with the basement man, right, is that he got into gambling debt, was it? And he couldn't pay it. I- so the loan sharks are after him. Or was it just oh, bad business? I, thought, I, I can't th- remember. I thought it was just the bad business. Yeah, it could have been. So oh, yeah, that, that's God. a little little mechanic that they set up earlier because I thought it was a weird line initially. I was like, oh wait, it has a purpose. I'm trying to read up like moments of foreshadowing in this movie, but like, I think I just like it was the most like nothing take I've ever read in my life. Like, <laughs> that's not that's I don't think that is foreshadowing. Okay, but um, one last oh, one God. of the last things right, I want right, to bring right. up. I. I just I ate a okay. bunch of cookies before film, before we started recording this, and I'm really starting to feel the sugar crash right now. But, so <laughs> I'm starting okay. to like my brain's starting to shut down. But let's keep going. Let's 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 wrap okay. this up. We've been going for like an hour now. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> by, this this is uh, thematic because this is one of the last things in the movie. Is oh good. You know how the son finds out that the dad's living in the basement with the Morse code light. Which yeah, is yeah, awesome, yeah. and that's they've been foreshadowed throughout the whole movie. Mm. So good. But when they did the voiceover for the letter, God, the dad wrote a big-ass letter to be in Morse code. What the fuck? Yeah. It's several, oh, yeah. Page, it's several pages long. If I was yeah. in that situation, you, you sh- you'd shrink that to a sentence so people could see it. <laughs> yeah, you, like you even see that like son takes like days to transcribe it because he was just didn't think about it and he must have that much time on his hand that he wrote a four page letter to translate into morse code oh christ <laughs> just 
just a strange decision. That's funny. That's funny. Because can you imagine uh, seeing... Because, like, that scene is, like, ten minutes long. That Morse code yeah. must last minutes must upon... Pages. So he's just like... Oh, I stuffed it up. You start again. Oh, Christ. <laughs> God. What a... Just fucking good movie. Even, like... I love the design of the house as well. Mm, which so was cool. Was it completely a set, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like the house isn't real. I'm pretty sure like they made the bottom floor of the house as a set and the like the top and the garden are all like blue screened. Mm. Just like they it's like it's not just a cool house they had, like they specifically designed the house. Same with the entire street that the poor family lives on. That's all a set. Like that doesn't surprise it. me. When, when I was watching it specifically, it, when I was watching it this time, I was like, "This is so well designed." It's like it must be. Um, it's oh, yeah, a set. Oh, it's just so good. Remember the scene where they have like the piss fight with the drunk guy who keeps peeing yeah. next to the 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 kitchen window. That's and foreshadowing like, the rain. There's like beautiful slow motion as they're both throwing water on this like drunk man who's trying to like piss on them. <laughs> and like just when they thought they're doing well yeah god what a fucking good movie I'm trying to think of more good scenes from it Christ <laughs> well I think that's a good place to end on it on a piss yeah, fight like I I could I've said this probably I don't know how many times already but like I could just talk about every scene in this movie I could just go through the whole thing and just be like this is so good this is so good. look at that this oh man but like what's the point just watch the movie and like appreciate it for yourself like it's it's so fucking good i've said that so many times i i've mm-hmm. become what i feared i just i'm sitting in the back just saying oh man it's so good it's just so good while you just like are going on about all these like legitimate like themes and like moments of foreshadowing and i was like yeah it's good it's good you've become the monster that you've always feared oh man don't eat cookies. Don't eat a bunch of cookies before recording a podcast at home, folks. Oh, one thing I was going to say is, you know how we've always recorded without pants? Because that's been established since episode one. Now that's yes. re- now everyone's stealing that idea because everyone is working from home doing webcam without pants. Oh, my God. I like but, the idea of doing a full webcam with a, like a suit, like a nice top, like hair done, like the background's all really nice and meticulous. And um, just no pants, like not even underwear, just completely naked, like off. <laughs> it's just a good image. Yeah, I'm well, actually that's, like off. That's after what I'm doing this, right I'm now. Doing, oh that's, fuck! Uh, that's Harris, what I'm doing right. <laughs> scandalous. It's audio. You can't tell. They don't need it. Yeah, you can't tell. You can't hear anything slapping around. <laughs> um, where me and my housemates are doing like a Skype Zoom trivia thing, like straight after this, and. Um, now I want to do that. <laughs> Maybe not full naked, but well, I for what for work our first Zoom meeting, I did show up with a suit and tie because I thought that would be really funny that I never wear a suit and tie at work, but I do for when yeah. I work at home. That's pretty good. I I admire that commitment. I have a problem where I feel like when I look at myself, like the way I kind of typically set up, just where my where I usually put my my laptop. When I have like the thing pointed at, like the webcam looking at me, 
I feel like I just look like the kind of guy who's going gonna go on an end like a rant about Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> something about it. I just look like the kind of guy who's just gonna be like, "It's just so bad." And you say that, but that's like what we, that's what we did. We did no, that. Last, no, no, no. We said that about Rise of the Skywalker. Last uh, Jedi, I like. I like Last Jedi, but, but I did- look like. There's something about so, just like the pale background and like the little mic and like my like disheveled hair just being like, I look like a little man who's going to have a rant. I look like I'm I'm like a moment away from snapping and going on a rant about fucking men's rights or some shit. And I don't like it. Mitch, I just want to point out your distinction between <laughs> it being Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker was so important to you about the <laughs> the appearance of your rant face. Yep. Everybody ranted about Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> I was too tired to rant about Rise of the Skywalker. It's not worth the effort. Uh, What's Parasite instead? Yeah. 